The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The universal DH is upon us. Spring training is not. And the Reds have not done a darn thing. We'll talk about that more with this all-star panel. You are listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by WinBet. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with an all-star cast. Got Jenny Butler, we've got Doug Dennis, and Clay Link with us. We're going to be talking about MLB lockout issues and, of course, a lot of red stock. It's Reds therapy, after all, so that's what we're going to spend the majority of our time doing here. Uh, let's introduce this awesome panel. Uh, Jenny Butler is joining us. You can follow her on Twitter at JennyButler830. Uh, she is a fantastic NFBC player. She's been going to first pitch Arizona. And now you're doing more podcasts, Jenny. You're becoming a content provider. How's that feel? Uh, weird. <laughs> I don't know quite how this happened, but I guess if people want to hear what I have to say, I'll, I'll do what I can. Let's hope it goes well. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got a lot of knowledge stored. It, it's sharing it is the next step there. And I bet as you interact, and at least I felt this way, the more I talk with other people, other smart people, I learn. Uh, and I, it helps hone my game as well. So, and that's obviously, we've all go to, go to first pitch Arizona. And we all feel, you know, that collaboration makes us all better players. Definitely. It's, uh, talking to more people and doing this a few times has definitely helped me feel more comfortable. Good. Outstanding. We have Doug Dennis from Baseball HQ. Doug is always on the Factor Flute panel, panel for pitchers at First Pitch Arizona as well. He does uh, a lot of bullpen columns on HQ. What else do you do at HQ these days, Doug? That's it. I do bullpen columns and and really that. And then, you know, they ask me to do stuff that I don't want to do. And so sometimes I have to do stuff. But do you say that it sucks? Do you tell them, oh, that sucks? Or I'm not allowed anymore. I used oh, okay. to. So Jeff's referring back to the early days. I used to um, I used to be a little bit um, incorrect in some of the ways that I would speak on the panel. And so I'm not. Once Ron uh, left that and now it's up to Brad, I'm not allowed to anymore. Oh, okay. We've reined Doug Dennis in. I like I like raw, unfiltered Doug Dennis, but uh, that's okay. I, I get it there. And of course, we've got Clay Link from Rotowire, the Rotowire Prospect Prospect Podcast. Easy for me to say. And he does with James most Wednesdays. Didn't yesterday? James is continuing his awesome guest series and had another great one yesterday. Uh, but he also is on Fridays with Todd Zola, and someday we'll have two start starters again with that. But until then, uh, we're just hitting a lot of draft 
related topics. Clay, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on with you guys. Uh, I think today was mostly a pretty good day for for uh, baseball and baseball fans. I was feeling kind of down on the situation earlier this week, but at least Manfred said what I was hoping he would say, and that's, you know, as the mouthpiece for the owners, he said that they're committed to uh, making a deal in time to not miss any games. Said missing games would be disastrous, which I agree it would be. Yeah. So that that was more so than anything what I wanted to hear. I so I heard that and that 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 is encouraging. I heard other stuff where I thought he dissembled, uh, if not outright lied. But uh, I don't think it is safer to invest in the stock market than to own a baseball team, for instance. Um, I, but I hear you on that. Um, let's let's jump right off there with uh, his comments. Uh, Jenny, what was your reaction to Rob Manfred's press conference today? I feel like he didn't say much. I mean, I, I know that the, you know, the DH comment was in there and I, but I, didn't we all really expect that? I mean, that's kind of how I've been planning anyway. So it felt like he was trying to make it a newsworthy statement when it was kind of just what we all knew was coming anyway. I I saw ahead of time that maybe he was going to be talking about delaying spring training and he didn't do that. So I guess that's good news. Yeah, uh, you know, and they, they did say that we're going to have a proposal to the players on Saturday. Um, their third one since they locked things down. So, OK, maybe baby steps here. Uh, I also think, though, it's kind of like, OK, well, they didn't accept this offer. Now it's time to shut down spring training. I can see them spinning it that way, too. But I'm just a cynic enough to think that. Doug, what was your mm-hmm. reaction to the press conference today? Well, I just feel like no news is no news. I mean, I I think these guys have to make PR statements every once in a while so that because the fans are ready with torches and pitchforks and, you know, you don't want that. So they have to come out and say something. And so they think, well, what can we say that's positive? Well, we agree on the DH for the NL. Like, okay, great. Like, no kidding. I mean, uh, you know, what else you got for me? I, I just think, um, and it's hard, you know, these guys um, really can't talk about all the specifics. In the, I mean, sometimes they do in the public, but it goes poorly because, you know, they're trying to negotiate a deal. So it's, um, I think it's harder than it sounds to make public statements. And I just felt like it was, uh, this, it was just as much news as I knew before he did the press conference. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, the DH. Okay, so now it's official. Uh, we're going to have universal DH. It's something that should have happened last year, but what did it, uh, you know, we, we all know why. I mean, the, the owners wanted to try to get, gain some leverage out of it. It didn't happen. Uh, but now we have it. How are we reacting to it? Clay, what are you doing? Are you doing anything differently or were you already ranking, assuming there was going to be the universal DH? Well, I'm going to have to bump up a few players. First players that came to mind for me were, well, Dom Smith kind of at the, uh, back half of the player pool. Just a guy with with Pete Alonzo there who's kind of positionless. So he was a guy who popped into my head. Then kind of on the other side of the, the spectrum at the top of the player pool, I think you bump up guys like Real Muto, uh, probably Will Smith of the Dodgers, some of those catchers, uh, some of our Reds that we'll talk about. Um, but most of the guys, you know, I, I have ranked where, about where I expect to have them, you know, come March and uh, later this month. So there, there are a few guys I'll bump up. But really, I'm not expecting widespread shifts to like the uh, NL pitchers I have. I think I have them about about where I expect to take them. Are, Who's are cat you doing is that, it? By the way, is it's that your cat? Oh, yeah, nice. Mine's actually yeah. quiet right now. I actually have two of them. <laughs> Mine has never done quiet. this before, so I 
Yeah. I don't know yeah, how to I, like, I don't know how to make her stop. I like cats. Yeah. Who's your cat, Jenny? Come on. Wanted to mention it because <laughs> it's kind of the elephant in the room. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I don't know. Hey, the cat's just very excited about the DH. I get it. They're right. tired of seeing bunts. You know, you know, I'm, I'm happy for that. Tired of seeing a, a one slot in the order hitting 110 for the entire season. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm in favor of this. I think many baseball fans are. Doug, how? Do, what's your take on the, the universal DH? Are you changing anything? Are you happy about the decision? What's your take? Well, I'm 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 agnostic. I mean, I don't really I don't care whether they do it or not, but they're doing it. So, I, you know, I'm pre- I was prepared for that last year. I think um, I I worry some about some of the um, some of the pitchers. Honestly, I think what will happen is um, you'll get a few less innings from people who are middling starters, maybe because they'll get taken out of games because they don't have that easy spot, you know, at the end to, to pick on. Um, and I think that the um, reliever usage will be similar to the AL, which will be a little bit different, um, but not a lot. I mean, I don't think it's, um, it's not like somebody who was worth a certain amount is suddenly worth some crazy different amount. Um, but, you know, I, I do, I do think there'll be differences in the way that teams handle it. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I did not project the pitchers assuming there's going to be a DH, but in part because we had 2019 with happy fun ball, 2020 where we did have the universal DH and still happy fun ball. So I feel like any sort of stat projection, including the 19 and 20 stats are going to be necessarily a little bit inflated anyhow. So I'm going to do slight adjustments here and there. I'm going to downgrade some NL starters, probably the shakier ones, as you alluded because I think they will go shorter. I think they'll get fewer strikeouts. But it, it's not going to be this massive change because there's so many other variables we don't know. We don't know which ball are they going to use. We had two balls last year, uh, unbeknownst to everybody until after the season, until Dr. Meredith Wills got, you know, you know, laid it out for everyone and made the case that was pretty conclusive as far as I'm concerned, uh, that, that this is something that happened. You know, it, it's, it's crazy that we, we don't know the environment we're going to be playing under again. I'm, I, honestly, the ball thing is concerning because I'm willing to bet that it wasn't even e- it wasn't evenly distributed between teams. I mean, no, have no, I'm sure it isn't. Who, uh, you know, who got, had more uh, home runs because they had more of the you know the bouncy balls, and you'll have ones that where pitchers were better than they should have been because they didn't have any. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, as far as fantasy goes, though, I just don't. I just try not to speculate on things that I don't know enough about so like even with the dh we don't know who's going to get the extra plate appearances exactly and with the ball we don't really know so i just try as best as i can to just sort of not think about it (laughs) just because i don't want to make assumptions and somehow go the wrong direction you know i think that's that's really good advice i mean heck i mean we have so many unsigned players still that that could change so rapidly uh and you know trades are going to happen too you presume a little bit yeah, it's going to be wide open. So they're they're trying to they're still trying to work towards having opening day uh, on on time. They're still trying to you know not even you know postpone spring training officially though. We'll see what happens after this weekend. Uh, if they say if they on Monday miracle of miracles we get an agreement, it's going to be this wild west of a free agent period and trade period here before camps open up. How are you? I mean, it's going to be so difficult to stay on top of all the moves and know who who's going to go where and all that, and let alone get these guys up to speed on time. 
I think we've been spoiled with the lack of news in some ways when you're talking about fantasy yeah. prep because it's been just sort of a stalemate and we can just stick with the rating rankings and you know projections that we have and it's gonna throw a wrench into everything you know I there's drafts that I just started a draft today you know one for the most money so far this offseason so uh hopefully nothing gets too crazy right in the middle of it right and get people holding out, waiting to see if someone signs, you know, keep delaying on their pick. Now, yours is, it's a one hour uh, DC, correct? No, it's a 1000 DC. No, no, uh, an hour time between it's picks. It's two hours, two hours. Two hours, okay. Mm-hmm. So you can do a little bit of, uh, you know, milking the clock there at the end of the day. A little bit. I don't many. like to do that. It always annoys me. Right. But if, you know, if, if I hear, if I hear that there's an agreement, I, you know, might take that one opportunity to wait a little bit. Sure. It's going to be crazy on our end, Jeff, trying to (laughs) keep up with everything, but it'll be a fun challenge. But yeah, Yeah, the the list of free agents is just, I mean, Freeman, Castellanos, Correa at the very top. And then, I mean, yeah, probably a hundred plus guys who aren't really that notable. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, It's going to be a fire hose, you know, and that's why I'm trying to like scramble and get like more fringe players projected now, even though I don't know what their role is going to be just to have something in there. So, at least if someone signs and displaces them, okay, I'll just chop that by 33% or 50% or whatever, or add as the case may be. But uh, that, that's, there, there's a lot of adjustments that need to be made. Uh, I just want to say start- too, Go ahead. Oh, real quick, Jeff, I, we were talking about spring training. I think they mentioned that they are moving forward with it, but it's with without major league players for the time being. So that'll be right. Weird. But they're not major league spring training games. It, that, that, cool. was, they were kind of like, having that weird little distinction there. So they're going to have spring training with minor league players start when they normally do. And they're going to have minor league spring training games, but they won't have, I, you know, it, it's, they're, they're trying to, they're taking pains to say they're not going to have scabs basically is the way I'm, yeah, I'm the just, way I read that. I just assumed I would hear Manfred say something like, well, if the players play ball, we'll, we'll have opening day on time. But, you know, he kind of was, at least he reassured me a little bit by saying, we're committed to making an agreement, not missing games. So, right, cautiously see, optimistic. Maybe I'm a sucker, but yeah. I just saw a tweet from Amir Garrett saying, "Why wait till Saturday? Come with a proposal today." Kind of a good point. Why? Why do we need to wait two more days for a proposal? Well, they're probably no putting the uh, <laughs> running it by all their lawyers and stuff. I don't know. I don't know how I it suppose. works either. A lot of times these kind of decisions require sign off and you have all these owners that are doing all kinds of other things that have nothing to do with baseball. And you have, you know, who knows who, who hasn't looked at it yet and says, I need my lawyers to look at this, give me four days. And that's what's happening. So I'm not surprised by those kinds of things. I'm more surprised that they took so long to get it moving in the first place. True. I, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, what we've had 61 days, I think, since the lockout was instituted, more than that. Um, and now we're finally getting to this point. Yeah. Why didn't we get to this point a lot sooner? Uh, before we launch into Red's talk, uh, we got to share a quick note from one of our sponsors. Uh, if there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want to break from sports betting? 
Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in eight states, Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. I really look forward to naming all 50 states at some point in this read. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all Rotowire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. It is Reds Therapy Lockout here. I mean, Reds and Lockout Therapy podcast here. We're going to do focus more on the Reds. Again, I'm Jeff Erickson here with Clay Link from Rotowire, Doug Dennis from Baseball HQ, Jenny Butler. Jenny, where are you doing all your content providing right now? I, I missed on some of that there. Where, where can people can find your work? So far, um, all that I've done is the FTN Five Tool Fantasy Draft Guide. Okay. Um, but I've been talking to both Fantrax and Rotoballer about providing some content this year. I actually just nice. got officially signed up with Rotoballer this week. So I'm working on getting some stuff together for them. Outstanding. Looking forward to having that there. And uh, we'll get that out there to everybody else because Jenny is a great player and she's been out at First Pitch Arizona a number of years now. So she knows her stuff. Make sure you uh, follow her uh, on Twitter at Jenny Butler 830. Let's talk a little Reds. Um, let's. Start off with the present, and then we'll kind of delve into some of our best favorite memories later on here. But present's not so fun right now. Uh, Wade Miley Wade walked. Uh, well, he didn't walk. He got uh, non-tendered. The Cubs claimed him, uh, so they get him for nothing. They don't even, you know, Reds don't even get the one million dollar, uh, one million dollar. They they weren't willing to risk a million dollars to try to get the draft pick compensation or get anything for it. They just let him go to a division rival. Uh, they, they traded away Tucker Barnhart. That one seemed inevitable with Tyler Stevenson advancing and Barnhart becoming a little bit more expensive, but it kind of hurts a little bit. And then nothing. Crickets. They're one of three teams that haven't signed a major league uh, a player to their major league roster this offseason, along with the Cleveland Guardians and the Oakland A's. How do we feel about this? Jenny, how do you feel? Uh, discouraged. <laughs> I, it, it's so frustrating that, you know, just a couple of years ago, I, you know, we were feeling so hopeful. They were spending money. They were bringing in Moustakis and Castellanos and the pitching looked good. You know, we brought in the driveline guys, just really feeling it. And then they didn't really even try. I mean, this is where the aforementioned, you know, half-assed, I think, comes in. Like they just kind of gave it a half-assed effort and then said, okay, we're done. You know, that yeah. like, they didn't like you didn't even pay it, you know, they didn't even use the window that they created for themselves. So I don't know, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. And it started last year with Iglesias. And uh, oh, with the flexibility we've granted ourselves, we'll be able to address shortstop. Uh, no, nope. no, we, we didn't do that. We sorry, never mind. We, we're going to do nothing instead. Uh, Doug was uh, you know, speaking specifically about the Reds bullpen, Iglesias, what they did last year, and, you know, the lack of activity so far this season, what do you see coming out of this bullpen? I actually think the bullpen is not as bad as people think it is. I mean, one of the unfortunate things last year is Lucas Sims got hurt. I mean, if yeah. Lucas Sims doesn't get hurt, I think that bullpen would have looked a lot better. Um, Amir Garrett was not as good as, as, as hoped. I think um, we still kind of count on him to be a useful lefty. Um, I think Sessa was a great pickup that they got from New York. I think he's going to be important to them. 
Obviously, they lost Givens, which when he was very stabilizing later in the season. But I think they have arms. It's just figuring out how to use them and what to do with them. And I do have some faith that Derek Johnson knows what he's doing and will be able to do some of that. So I think the bullpen should be better this year than it was last year, barring injuries. And of course, there's always injuries. So you just don't really know what you're going to have. But I'm 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 optimistic about it, and I think um, you know I think they're they're deeper than people realize. Yeah, Givens and Sessa both were good uh, after mm-hmm. the acquisition. Uh, Justin Wilson's still there. That was a okay. We'll take your bad contract just to make get Sessa. Uh, okay, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, what do you think of Anton too? Yeah, we're not going to get him this year. Uh, You know, Clay. I know Clay and I were both on TJ Anton there. Kept on one up each other. I think he was well. He was good while he keeper, and he got hurt. I'll I'll tell you another name that I should have mentioned originally was uh, Art Warren. Another guy. Who's heard Art Warren, but then he was terrific um, late in the season, and I think uh, he's another guy that they'll count on a lot. So um, they actually threw away another guy that I just find interesting. Um, they threw away Brooks Raley. Brooks Raley's actually an amazing uh, arm, uh, lefty arm that's no longer with the Reds, but they just threw him away last year. And I'm like, you know, like sometimes you just wonder why they make the decisions they make. But um, right. I think Art Warren's going to be an important leverage uh, reliever too for the Reds. You excited at all about Dory Moretta? Uh, what, his emergence in AAA at all? Is that, is that going to move the needle at all? I don't know. I mean, I tend to think sometimes, um, I mean, you've seen this a lot with, with minor league pitchers with the Reds is they, they're fine in the minors and then they get a great American ballpark, which is, I hate to say it, but kind of a launching pad for home runs. And if you can, if you can suppress home runs, you can do fine there. And if you can't, then, you know, suddenly it's not going as well. And, and, you know, those are the kinds of things that hit people like Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett's a very good pitcher, but he can't suppress home runs. And so he has a lot of difficulty in uh, great American ballpark. Yeah. It seemed with Garrett, he'd fall behind, fall behind, up, oh, got a groove one and boom goes the dynamite uh, to bring back uh, you know, one of the, I'm surprised I'm not the guy that was the boom goes the dynamite guy uh, on that broadcast that was went viral one time, but uh, Clay Wade Miley left. He was actually by war the best red starter last year. I don't think he was the best red starter, but by that metric, at least he was. And they let him go for nothing. Uh, How are you comfortable with the replacements they have in line for him? Well, I think Bob Castellini should sell the team. Let me just say that. Yeah. Um, Because I, look, Wade Miley, whatever, 10 million for him. It's not like the worst thing in the world to let him go at that price, but to just wave the white flag the first day of the off season, pretty sad. And I just, uh, you know, maybe he could do a little better on the stock market. <laughs> a, a major league baseball team, but behind, I mean, in the rotation, they definitely have some guys, of course, the, the two top prospects, Hunter Green and Lodolo, but Reaver San Martin, I drafted him in a few leagues. You know, I, I watched most games, but I, didn't develop a strong take on San Martin, so kind of interested to hear what you guys have to say about him. You know, I didn't watch a whole lot of him because it was the last two weeks of the season, the last like 10 days of the season, yeah. and it was so depressing watching the Reds. Oh, they fell apart. Time. They yeah. completely quit. 
when did we lose like eight series in a row? Uh, a couple of those against like the Marlins and the Cubs and the Pirates. And yeah, I just. Yeah, they were in the hunt until, yeah, until that stretch where like the Cardinals blew up and the Reds went in the completely opposite direction. Yeah, the Cardinals won so many games that if the Reds had even been good, it wouldn't have mattered. But, you know, they uh, were not good. They were. Some of those were against the Reds, though. That's part of the problem. But Well, maybe uh, that's true. I mean, but they, I, uh, they didn't lose for a long time. I mean, I think the Reds could have gone. Uh, I forget what the number was, but almost 600, and they still wouldn't have made the playoffs because of the way the Cardinals went. Yeah, the Phillies and the Reds kept on being pushed up as the teams with the best schedules in the second half. And then, (laughs) hey, eight series later, and we still haven't won one of these damn things. It's like, ah. And then uh, after that stretch to come out the first day of the offseason and tell your your fans that the number one priority is to realign payroll with resources. The very first transfer. Yeah. That happened too. You're right. That was the thing that that was just like oh, talk about on. crapping on your own fans. That was it was brutal. Yeah, at least at least run that by your PR person before you <laughs> before you say stupid stuff. I just yeah, think that Nick doesn't know how to speak in public, and that's a big part of it. I mean, he just sounds like a dead fish all the time. And if he's not on camera, he sounds exactly the same. So I don't know how to fix Nick Crawl's uh, public persona. But, I mean, that's a big part of it is, you know, the truth is, is that they're aligning to their resources, which they see as very slim, um, saying it publicly, like, why would you? I mean, you can, you can go the whole press conference without mentioning that. Yeah, it was like the Blue Jays Just a couple years anyway. ago when they when they were like, "Yes, but we got payroll flexibility." And you know, it was kind of like uh lead the weapon too with the South African guy saying diplomatic immunity, you know, <laughs> kind of like that. Uh, I don't know. I just it's just been it's just been revoked. I don't know. I just I, I it was awful, but uh I don't know. Jenny, Nick Castellanos opted out of his contract, not a surprise. The Reds offered uh, they were going to get draft pick compensation. He turned that down. Not a surprise. How are the Reds going to replace Castellanos bat in the middle of that lineup? Not easily. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're going to bring anybody in. I had, I had sneaking hope, just a little bit of hope that he might stay just because, you know, it's such a good ballpark and he had such Mm -hmm. success there that, you know, I thought, you know, if that's a priority for him that he might stay, of course, everybody in the media immediately assumes somebody from Cincinnati is going to leave immediately. And I always kind of hope that somebody will defy that and stay. Right. But it hasn't happened yet. So, um, you know, I mean, Winker is, is a great bat out there, you know, but they're going to have to have somebody step up that hadn't stepped up before. I don't think they're going to bring anybody significant in. So you're going to have to have, you know, an Akiyama or, you know, somebody like Nick Senzel step in. Those guys haven't done it yet, but, you know, they're capable, you know, sh- Suarez can hit hit some home runs if he could just, you know, bring the batting average up. If he could do what he was doing in September, you know, that might be something. And really the only option, other option I see to sort of fill in some of that is, you know, Moustakis. And again, we're talking about like coming back and doing what he didn't do last year. So it's a, it's a lot of hope and a prayer <laughs> right now, I think. Clay, you mentioned, uh, you tweeted the other day how the Reds probably didn't do right by Senzel or Moustakis or any of their other injured players. Uh, What's your outlook on those guys? What's your take here? It was just weird how, well, with Winker, they kind of like, I don't know if they really deserve much of the blame because he kind of rushed himself back, but they deserve some probably for not stepping in and saving him from himself because Winker came back and got hurt like immediately. And Senzel, I don't know what was going on. They kind of kept it under wraps, but they just 
he was still favoring his knee late in the year. It's just a complete unknown. So, you know, Senzel, I have no expectations for realistically. I have him kind of just off my board, essentially, not really considering him in drafts. Really? Moose, I mean, I can't see myself having any real hopes for him this so, year. I, you know, I still, maybe I'm just, I'm that fool, but, you know, his second overall pick, he's going at 465-ish basically right now. I mean, he, he, he is clearly like, you're just stabbing him, you know, you're just taking a stab, putting him on your bench. I, with the DH especially, there should be playing time, right? I mean, it, it, I don't know. I, I, I can I can still see a path, but man, I, I understand the pessimism, but man, I hate giving up so much on this guy. Yeah, I don't want to say say I'm giving up on him, to be clear. I just, you know, if in the future, yeah, but I think this this is going to be a season about establishing himself, trying to reestablish himself. And Moose, by the way, I mean, I like Moose, but I -hmm. I was reviewing our outlook for him, and, you know, I just don't know if he's – I think he kind of has to be just in a platoon. Maybe because of how much they're paying him, they'll give him more than that, but – I feel like he's just the platoon guy at this point. Even Suarez, if they don't use Moose as the DH, it had, could lose some at bats because of that too. Doug, do you have any hope for Senzel or, or, or for that matter, Moustakis? Well, I think it's one of those situations where if we had a normal season, they would be asked to prove that they're healthy and have a good showing in spring training in order to get um, regular at bats, but we're not going to probably see something like that. So, I, I mean, I honestly, if the, even if spring training starts on time, yada, yada, um, if they're rushing to get ready for the season, they're not going to spend a lot of time um, on players that they don't, think they're going to use so I think that these guys will start slower or farther behind than than typical and have to catch up I mean I think they'll be in B games and backfield games and things like that where if it was a normal spring training they would get every opportunity to play you know more so I think it's um, prove you're healthy but then also prove yourself in in big league games against big league players and I just don't think they're going to have that same opportunity with uh, with the lockout the way it is be true might be true indeed um shortstop kyle farmer had the best month of his professional career in june last year right before the trade deadline the reds didn't add at shortstop they they did eventually call up jose barrero and barely played him is this going to be a continuing situation jenny are you going to have any barrero shares or what do you expect out of the shortstop position i'm definitely open to taking barrero late and you know in one of the DC best ball kind of situations. Um, I don't think I have yet, but I actually, I was pretty pleased with Kyle Farmer's performance last year. I used him pretty extensively in the middle, late summer in my main event and it, it went pretty well. I mean, I don't think he's, I don't think he's given quite enough credit for what he did, but you know, Barrera is obviously the future. So, you know, they've got, if they're going to, they need to see what they have. You have to get them in there and, and play them regularly. And a lot of these guys, you know, we find out that once they get the opportunity to play regularly, that's when you really see what they can do. So you can't, you know, jerk them around. You just have to put them in there, let them play. And if they need to use Farmer, then he'll be there. But, you know, you've got to see what he can do. Wasn't the best thing they did with Farmer was actually play uh... – Eugenio Suarez at short and, and he did, it was so bad in the field that like you put Farmer at short and it's like, ah, oh, he's pretty good. 
Yeah. Ooh, he has range. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad uh, that that experiment was done away with, you know. It took him long enough, but yeah. Good grief. That was Everybody knew that was a terrible idea the minute they announced it. I don't know how the immediate reaction was just, well, that's an obviously bad idea and they just went with it. I think they were trying to fit um, at the time Moustakis and Suarez on the field um, together with um, India, you know, who yep. had a good season. And it's very hard to fit them all on the field if you can't put Moustakis at second, you know, and you can't put Suarez at third. So they were, they were, I mean, it's just, but it tells you how poorly the pieces fit together, too. Yeah. And that goes all back, you know, it goes back in their long-term planning, like how they've treated Nick Senzel for that matter. You know, hey, this is, we got this number two overall pick. Is he a third baseman? Is he a second baseman? Is he a shortstop? Is he a center fielder? Ah, we'll figure it out at some point there. There was no planning. You know, it's yeah. just, you, yeah. you get draft capital like that. Don't screw him up. I was looking yeah. at our notes too on Senzel and when he was hurt down at AAA last year, rehabbing from that knee injury, they had him back at shortstop. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys jerked this guy around enough? Apparently not. So I, I don't know. Maybe we see Senzel back in short a little bit. But oh, that would be wild. I could just see the Twitter fur flying on that one. There, it would be awesome. I still have hope that they'll bring in one of these free agents. Probably not, you know, Correa or Story, but can't they just bring somebody in? They will not. I wish we know that. Would. Man, Trevor Story here. Oh, that would be useful. But uh, easier said than done. Yeah, yeah. there's no way. There's zero Not a chance. Not a chance. Don't even don't let yourself dream on it because you'll only be disappointed. On that note, let's hear from our next sponsor, Thrive. Uh, I'm, I'm really good at these lead-ins here. They, I am the Jim Nance of podcasts. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you claim your free Rotowire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. It's just that easy. All right. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Doug Dennis from Baseball HQ, from Jenny Butler, who you can find on the uh, FTN Draft Kit and soon to be at a Rollerballer article near you soon. Uh, and, of course, we got Clay Link from Rotowire here. Guys uh, and gal, uh, three, Doug and Clay are doing this uh, Arizona Fall League Speaker uh, League uh, draft with me here. We're drafting all within, like, five spots of each other. None of us took Tyler Malley when he went. None of us took Luis Castillo or Sonny Gray. Are we down on these guys, or is just where we were drafting? Uh, you know, M Malley went right in between Doug and I. I think by Der former Rotowire guy Derek Van Riper. How did this happen? I'm really. I, I mean, I'm not against them, and I wasn't against them for where they went in the draft. But honestly. And I, you know, I'm not really giving anything away. My big, I really am big on um, strikeout percentage minus walk percentage. And I had guys pushed up a little bit higher that are not higher by ADP, but are higher by my ranking. So, you know, I miss on those guys for that reason. Yeah, I I like Mally, but 
he really struggled at home last year. Yes. Like he really had some gopheritis at home and you know, maybe a full season with a real defense behind him will help and a good arm. But man, sometimes he can just give up the long ball and just one poorly timed long ball will sink his afternoon. So you know, I thought that was a decent decent pick by DVR. I don't know if he's gonna be able to pull it off with Malley's as SP one. <laughs> Godspeed to him. He uh, did do something different. Well. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. And Derek is good that way. He is, he's, you know, we didn't mean to make this a DVR cast, but here we are. But, uh, you know, he, Derek is good about uh, finding pockets of inefficiency and trying to you know, exploit them pretty well. He, you know, I, I've noticed that in other drafts where he tries to zig where everyone zags. Jenny, uh, Castillo, Gray, or Malley, who are you most optimistic about this year? Um, Optimistic. I, I feel sort of ambivalent about all of them, okay. um, especially, you know, it's, it's at draft price. I, you know, I, I have, I've drafted Castillo once while I was in Arizona, actually, I had, I took Cole Castillo and Webb as my top three because pitching was falling. So I got good deals, but you know, I, I went with that, you know, backup to it. You know, I don't want Castillo as my SP one, but as an SP two or, you know, maybe even three that that's fine. Uh, Mally, I like. I'm I'm kind of disappointed that he, other people have started to realize that he's there too. So the draft price is not, you know, you're not getting a deal. So it's yeah. just sort of he is what he is. I've also drafted Sonny Gray. I feel like he's in a good spot for a bounce back. He's also, you know, a possible trade candidate. So you know, he could. It's be hard for him not to end up in a better park, and you know they'd probably go to a contender, so that might be good. I think he's going, if I'm not wrong, the latest out of the three, so I, I'm probably most likely to draft some gray. Is there anything to Luis Louis Castillo being a warm weather pitcher, is or is this just a statistical fluke? It's, there, there's cold weather. If he's in Cincinnati, there's going to be cold weather. So even if it's true, which I don't even know that I believe it is, it, it's he's not getting away from it. And what are you? If you're not going to start him in the cold weather, then it's not a good draft pick where he's going. So it's sort of a doesn't really matter to me, I guess. Just needs to eat some skyline before that before those uh, cold weather exactly, starts. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Keep the stomach full of skyline. Doug is shaking his head badly here. Yeah, I, know. This one. <laughs> I don't like Skyline. That's <gasps> no, all right. It's like it's like cat food on top of spaghetti. I mean, who wants that? I do. There's something in the water. There's something in the water in Cincinnati last year. Maybe it was Skyline Chili. Uh, the there water, you go. Which would be uh, disgusting. I haven't been getting these guys at price. I have been getting Hunter Green at price. Uh, you know, I, I've been willing to take the stab on him just because the high high ceiling is worth it to me, and you're, it, it costs you relatively nothing. But so far in my uh, DCs, and I've been doing more of the twelve teamers than the 15s, uh, I haven't ended up with any of Castillo, Gray, or Malley. I think I'm closest on Gray because I think he's a little dis- discounted off of where he was going last year, but. Castillo, I'm worried that like the changeup wasn't as effective. He wasn't getting as many whiffs as he used to, because you know what, you gotta actually throw the fastball for strikes every once in a while too. Did better that you know June on, but I also hate using guys like we were saying with Malley. Hate using guys you can't use in their home park. You know, I, I'd you know he had a ERA over five the last couple of years, I think, in, in Great American. So that's tough I too. Know, so I haven't been any with any of those guys. Sorry to cut you off there, Jeff. Okay. I was just gonna say, um, you know, I know rumors have died down a little bit, but I. 
I can still see Luis Castillo getting moved. I feel like that's still a very real possibility before the start of the season. And also, I'd like to go back and kind of see his splits when Suarez was at short. Because I feel like when, he, when Suarez wasn't at short, he was just fine. He was Opening day weather. comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> the Reds pitchers have to say, I can't give up a ground ball. <laughs> brutal. Good plan. That great American ballpark. <laughs> yeah, good so luck, guys. we've spent most of this cast without mentioning the guys, the hitters that are getting drafted the earliest, uh, the ones that we feel the best about with the Reds. Joey Votto had an amazing season last year. He decided, oh, I can't. I'm. He was like that old rec sport baseball argument. He can hit home runs if he wants to, except it actually happened. It actually became true. Is that just it? Doug, are you, are you buying the new and improved Joey Votto? No. No, I, you know, I bought him last year quite a bit because I thought he was undervalued and I thought he's had something left in the tank. And now, you know, it's like, oh, Joey Votto 10 years ago. No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't like his ADP at all. And he's going too high for me. Jenny? I've drafted him once, I think, when I uh, sort of semi punted first base. So I took him. Um, I don't know, want to say maybe like, let's see, I don't know, pretty late. And then pretty quickly after took another first baseman after him. So with the idea of, you know, kind of getting, it's a best ball also. So, you know, I took Trey Mancini. I took Votto in the ninth and Mancini in the 12th. So, you know, I kind of went one, two after waiting on a position for a little while. So I'm, I'm fine with them. I don't love the increased price. I did also take him a lot last year, but, you know, I think, you know, once you get past this most solid first baseman, that he's not a bad option where he's going. Yeah. Yeah. That the whole narrative like is backed up. Like it all checks out. He lowered his hands. He was mm-hmm. choking up on the bat for like three years for whatever reason. Uh, he lowered his hands and decided I'm going to start hitting for power and did, but it seems like it's almost too easy to like buy into that. Like him continuing to hit for that kind of power at this age. It feels like, yeah, the story is great and all, but that level of power, I don't, I don't really see it with Votto. I want I to ask he, you, Jeff. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, say in this draft we're doing, Jeff, uh, I took Max Muncy. I was wondering, would you rather have Votto or Muncy at first well, base? Because I have Muncy a little higher on my list. Muncy is known to be hurt. That's the That's one true. thing. I, yeah. I, I, I'm – Putting a pretty heavy, di- you know, discount on him this year. I I think where you got him is fine. Uh, you're and you get first and second eligibility, which is pretty nice. You get corner and middle. That that can come in really handy. Uh, I have quite end- a higher than, than him. Am I right? Yeah, couple rounds. So. Is so. that a DC format? It yeah. is uh, fifteen team DC format. Yeah, you got him in the eleventh Muncie in the eleventh round. So, you know, I waited on first base well am still waiting on first base as the case may be um so i'm taking this to extreme weight on first base but uh you know i i think there's plenty of guys i like and uh i won't name names because well i'll name names <laughs> if you want to snipe me uh with that that's fine but like wait a minute, wait a minute. No, i'm going <laughs> before you doug so you can only snipe me on one of them uh and clay's already got one so i feel okay but Guriel's still out there. I'll take a chance on Frank Schwindel late. You know, there's there's plenty of first base eligible guys I can get power from. I would have t- Krona and Vado went in the same round in the tenth round. Like 
around 145 or so. And I thought that was a pretty good price for them. That's fine. I would have taken them there, but there are others. Uh, and, you know, everything's a give and take, right? You know, I, I went pitcher, pitcher to start. So something else had to give and I had to try to catch up on steals. And I think I've done okay with that. But as a consequence, I've had to miss out on some first base targets that I like. For me personally, like Muncie. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say Muncie is pretty much off my draft board. Not maybe not in a Fab League. Once we get to March, hopefully we'll know a little more. But um, in a DC type format, I'm not taking him because there's a pretty significant probability that he misses the whole season. If if he does have Tommy John, he's definitely out all year. So I'm not good. I don't want to have uh, that dead spot on my roster. So I'll take somebody who even I think might be more of a part-time player over somebody who I think could be gone entirely. Well, that's a good point. And we've had like like 70 days of radio silence on all these guys' health. You know, Muncie had like was on MLB Network in, in November, and he said he was behind. Uh, and that's the thing that made it very difficult to be, a bit – you know, buy in on Max Muncy as much as I like him as a player. And I do like him as a player. You have to cancel out a little bit of batting average with him, but you get so much else that goes with him. But I, uh, you know, I just don't know about the health and you're right. In the DC draft and hold format, I don't want a guy that will miss a big chunk of the season unless I'm getting a severe haircut and I'm not getting, I don't, you know, that's, it is a haircut. I mean, Muncy would have gone in the fourth or fifth round had, had he been healthy. And we, we don't know that he's going to miss a large portion of the season. He might not miss any right. of the season. True. You and that—that's the thing. You might—you might totally win on this clay. It's entirely. I actually plausible. just saw something that he was beginning his off-season workout. So, yeah, okay, we're, we're still waiting on a lot of this stuff with these guys. We have no idea how any of these guys are progressing. It's tough, but I—I I could see that in a DC where you just want to avoid the risk of having a dead spot because you're going to have like ten of those anyway. How disciplined do you think the teams are about like what the medical staffs are and not communicating at all with the players? Do you think there's any back channel stuff going on here? They'll find a way. I'm sure. I got to think so too. I mean, there's just so much at stake with these players. Doug, you drafted Tyler Stevenson in this draft. Uh, you got him uh, in the beginning of the 10th round. Uh, he, he's getting pushed up a little bit among catchers because, Hey, the runway's clear. They didn't sign even a veteran backup. He is pretty much, this is your job. Are, are you all in on Tyler Stevenson this year? Um, I'm in at that price for sure. I mean, I I don't think that we're going to find there's a lot of catchers that are good um, producers, you know, runs and RBIs. I mean, he's not a big home run guy, but he's a bigger home run guy than anyone who's not batting 200. Um, you know, the the Sanchez's and the Zuninos and those kind of guys. So, you know, he's not going to be as good as Will Smith, but I don't need that to be the case. I mean, I think he's – I think in that round he's fine. I The thing that I really like is I just think he's probably going to stay healthy. He doesn't have somebody who's going to take time from him. I feel like when uh, Votto needs a day off, he's probably going to play first base. DH is going to be there. He's probably going to play some DH. So I feel he's going to get – a full complement of at bats. And I think that for catchers, that's not uh, usually the case. So that's what I'm really going for is all the uh, plate appearances that I think he'll have. Good batting average too, which is a sinkhole for catchers. So do you typically, do you, do you guys typically draft catchers early? Clay, you don't have one so far right now. Is this something you're, is this like your plan um, or does it just work out that way that where you've been drafting, you just don't like the prices? And the other drafts I've done, I think I ended up with like Sal Perez and somebody else. So I'm not against taking one of the top closers at all. I think um, 
don't think who I was target. Well, I wanted uh, Kaber Ruiz in this one, but he went in between my picks, so I was kind of disappointed in that. He's getting a lot of helium. Yeah, he really is. Um, I know James took Varsho. I have not been on Varsho much, but um, I would like to get one of those guys and avoid two of the real ugly options late because they get pretty darn ugly. No offense to those people. Jenny, how about you? What's What's your general approach on catchers? Do you go, are you willing to take one early? I usually will take one early. Um, not always. I have taken JTR. Um, Sal Perez is, you know, I'm, I'm open to it. Um, but I'm more often, more often likely to get the, um, the Yasmani Grandals or the Wilson Contreras, somebody sort of in that next tier. But I like to have that security. Um, last year in one of my mains, I was chasing catcher all year and spending not only, you know, you don't have to spend much money on streaming catchers, but even just the extra 10 minutes it takes every week is frustrating. So I don't like to spend the time or the thought or any, just I don't like to think about it. But I did in my other main, I had uh, Tyler Stevenson as my uh, back, my second catcher all year. And, and even though he didn't play full time, he was he was worth it. I mean, he was better than what I was going to get off the free agent list. So if he can get more of bats this year and basically do what he did, um, he should be solid. I don't know if I like that price. The price feels really high um, because we don't really know if he's going to get all those extra DH at bats. There are a lot of people that could really benefit from those DH at bats. So, but I, I, I do like him. I think he'll be a solid catcher. I tried to stream catchers in one of my leagues last year and just timed it oh, so poorly. Yeah. With like Me Cal too. Raleigh, like one for 40, then. Martin Maldonado or somebody. All the Texas Ranger catchers. Yeah. Still waiting for uh, Huff to get that first at bat of the season there. Yep. uh, uh, Done that. I like getting one. Uh, I got JTR in this draft. I pick roughly around ADP around pick 50 or so. Uh, I've got, I like really like getting Will Smith where he goes. I, I think he's going to go up. I think he's going to talk about a guy that's going to get some helium. Now that we know for sure that the DH is going to be there, I think he really benefits from that. So I think he's going to be a guy that goes up and up and up. I'm not aboard the Varsho train. I just, I just, I'm not convinced he can hit. Uh, I, I, I see the, the idea of, Hey, stolen bases from the catcher spot. That seems great. I just don't know how good of a hitter he is yet though. Yeah, he's not a good hitter, but I mean, where else are you going to – I mean, it, it's like found money to get steals from a catcher spot. I mean, that's the thing about it, right? I mean, you can you can kind of skimp on steals somewhere else if you get Varsho. I, I'm, I don't have him. I mean, I'm not – but I but I do um, I do understand why people get – Right, I, mean, I do too. You no, know, you don't want Martin Maldonado. And if you keep looking at the board and saying, well, this isn't the top guy I got going right now, pretty soon you end up with Martin Maldonado. So somewhere along the line, you got to get a guy. General rule of thumb, don't Martin Maldonado. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's our goal. The interesting, that's our goal thing, the interesting thing about Varsho to me is that, you know, we were early in the dra- uh, off season last year, the same narrative was happening where everybody was on Varsho and wanting Varsho and drafting him in the early rounds and he steals and we love it. And he's going to play because Arizona stinks. And then he didn't. And yet we're having the same conversation this off season and everybody is back on being hundred percent sure that he's going to play all the time. 
you know, they have a good catcher and, you know, he, of course he can play outfield, but do, do we really know that he's going to do that? We thought all of us thought this last year and it didn't work out the way that we thought. So I don't know if he did enough last year to convince the team. I, I mean, I think he probably did, but we, nobody's mentioning that the same thing is happening this year that happened last year in the off season in the fantasy anyway. I mean, the only thing that came to fruition was Arizona stinking. I mean, that part did come true. <laughs> uh, and stinky teams let their guys run. That helps. But, I mean, give me Grandal and Contreras over him straight up, let alone oh, sure. for the price. I think that's right. I mean, I'm not saying go get Varsho. I'm just saying if you get Varsho, you actually have some found money in those steals. And I think right. he'll play enough to get you steals where no other catcher's getting you anything like that. Um, I I do think he'll play. I don't think he's the main catcher because I think Kelly's the main catcher. But I do think that he'll play right. pretty much like he did last year. Hopefully he doesn't have an April. He had a terrible April last year. And that really, yeah. you know, it's I, I had him in, uh, in labor last year. And Sean Childs was trying to trade for him all throughout. He called me three times a week saying uh, give me Varsho for nothing and I'm like why would I do that like what other catcher am I gonna have like no I'm not doing that so it was you know but every week he go he's he had another bad week give him to me for nothing you know <laughs> it's just uh one of those things but yeah. I, I do think he'll play um but it won't be as the main catcher it'll just be all over the place you know Varsho did finish relatively strongly um he was a good pickup for me I didn't draft him anywhere but like in the 12s he was dropped and then I'd swoop in and pick him up and, you know, okay. Yeah, got, I, I, you know, I think he was okay. I think that's why people are on him now is because he finished okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's probably why. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our favorite Reds players, our favorite Reds memories. But first, a note from our Blue Wire sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And those of you that are watching, listening live, that was a very quick note, and we appreciate that. Uh, but we want to talk. This is a Reds therapy uh, podcast here. Let's talk a little Reds here. Clay, who's your favorite all-time Red and your favorite all-time Reds memory? All right. Well, this is kind of a cop-out, I'd say, because I was young, and I remember most of it. But it's mostly because he was like a, he was like the Michael Jordan of my area of South southwest ohio so barry larkin um, nice you know i was born in 88 so i didn't see like his the most of his career but i, I remember parts of it and it was it was a great player the uh griffey anniversary i think was that today maybe yesterday the Isn't anniversary there? when they got griffey mm-hmm. that was a great day that was uh i remember that day in my childhood one of my yeah. favorite memories though is R.I.P. Ryan Friel. Do you remember that catch Ryan yeah. Friel made in the outfield at the warning track where he was like parallel to the ground? I, I do. If you remember that game, but I was at that game with my family, nice. so that was one of my. I remember that you know got us all out of our seats. Uh, I think it was Great American by that time, not Riverfront anymore or Synergy. Remember Synergy Field? Um, yeah. But everybody just jumped out of their seats, and that was one of the best plays I've seen live. So one of my favorite memories. Nice. Jenny, favorite player. Uh, my favorite all time red is Chris Sabo. Okay. Um, I just loved Chris Sabo in 90 and I, in my family, he was a huge hit. My grandmother had a crush on Chris Sabo. It was hilarious. Um, but I always enjoyed him and my favorite memory, um, same year. Well, one of those years, um, I went to, I wanted, it was game two, right? Game two of the World Series in 90 and watched Joe Oliver get the walk-off extra inning hit. We were in the absolute top row of Riverfront. So we were like backs up against the concrete and saw that. And I was you know, 12 at the time. So it was like so exciting. I love those memories. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And that was the little dribbler down the third baseline, right? The Joe Oliver hit? Mm-hmm. I remember that. Uh, I, I still remember game one, uh, Eric D, Eric Davis at the home run. I, I believe uh, it was in Sports Illustrated that described uh, Davis's home run as the Pat O'Brien seeking missile because he was like for CBS doing the hosting. That's when he still did sports and all that. God, I loved Eric Davis. Uh, just it's a shame. And, and unfortunately, that was like the demarcation game four of the World Series when he got broken and left behind in Oakland. I mean, just disgraceful. But uh, anyways, I loved Eric Davis. Doug, I already know the answer to your favorite player because everyone already answered it for you. It's Davey Concepcion. Why? Why is he your favorite Reds? Because when I was a little kid, um, he was the shortstop for my favorite team. I mean, that's- okay, that's right. You are shortstop centric. I mean, you build your teams around shortstops. That's right. I didn't think about it that way. Um, yeah. he was. He was, and you know, he was rock solid. I mean, he was a very important. 
you know, it's funny because you know about Morgan and Bench and, you know, Perez and Rose and, but uh, Concepcion was every bit as important as those guys to those teams. I mean, because he was, he and Geronimo and Bench were, and, and Morgan up the middle were incredibly good defensive players. And um, Concepcion, you know, could hit and get on base too, but, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, he's not as, you know, he's not an all-time great, but he was very important to those teams. Yeah, that's right. Um, he was. That whole team. I loved Foster. That was my first favorite as a kid. The 70, 77 season, uh, 52, 139, or 149, excuse 149, me. 49, yeah. Yeah. I, I just loved it. I used to imitate that batting stance, you know. He's so, But he was quiet. He wasn't like the flashy guy. Yeah. We all loved. Have you seen him recently? I mean, he's old, but he looks the same. I mean, yeah. he's shaped like a V. You know, his shoulders are like this and his waist is like this and he looks exactly the same today i mean you know he looks a little bit i mean you know it's like botox or something but he looks the same i mean i feel like he could go out there and rip 50 home runs in batting practice you know and he probably could honestly one of the saddest days i ever had was him getting traded to the mets for alex trevino uh, yeah. Uh, yeah brutal brutal um uh, my first Reds memory was actually the 76 World Series. I was five. My grandparents were babysitting me. My parents actually went to the game. And I remember it was this big debate, Johnny Bench versus Thurman Munson. And the Riverfront scoreboard was flashing, Thurman who? Thurman who? And he scored from like first base on a single or something like that just to shove it at us. But then Bench homered twice or something like that. It was, it was you know, Obviously, it was a great year for the Reds. I, was, I wasn't old enough to remember 75, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, uh, 76, I – Barely is coming into my conscience there. Uh, conscious there, I couldn't. I I'm gonna cheat. I can't narrow it down. There's Foster. There's Davis. I loved Mario Soto. Mario Soto was like so underrated. Uh, I I named my teams the Mario so Soto Circle Change is like my NL Keeper League's team name still. I used to try to throw a circle change, except I'm left-handed and I don't have a fastball. But I digress. Uh, I was changing off of a changeup, but uh, it's okay. Uh, so I threw a circle change and it kind of moved just a little bit because I loved Mario Soto so much. Yeah, Soto was uh, was one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball on some really bad teams. Yes, those 80s teams were awful, especially after 81 where the Reds got screwed. Uh, you know, best record in baseball, but didn't make the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, not, not holding on to that one either. You know, we got a lot of grievances as Reds fans, but... Uh, I guess a lot of fan bases probably feel the same way and hold grievances. Uh, anything else that you want to talk Reds-centric since we got you guys here? Any other player you like? Clay, give me one Reds player that you will try to roster this year. Okay. Um, and why I can't take them from you. Well, I'll give you one I will and one I won't. Okay. Um, the one I will is probably going to be Luis Sessa. I was on the Lucas Sims train a little bit, but Sessa impressed me, and Jason Collette's article at Rotowire kind of opened my eyes to just how good Sessa is and was. So I, I like him as a late dart in that bullpen. Uh, at the the top, though, the player pool, I'm not going to draft Jonathan India. And all the Why drafts not? I've done, I just haven't come close to – to where he's at when he goes. And, you know, at the All-Star break last year, he was slugging about 400. Slugged 500 in the second half. But I just don't know if there's enough thump in that bat to really be worth where he's going right now. I think you're kind of banking on steals and power that I don't know is really going to be there. 
So I, I mean, do what you want, obviously, but I, and I, I will throw out the caveat that I may be too close to the situation, not literally, but just forest to the trees where I'm kind of expecting the worst. Sure. Um, so take it with a grain of salt, but I, I just think, you know, if you go and look at what India was doing at, at the all-star break last year, it was pretty underwhelming. And, Things uh, seem just, to switch when they put them at leadoff. That it, yeah, that's true. But I don't know if that's a position changing things or him earning that position, you know, by, by, by him playing, you know, I don't think the position caused him to hit better. ADP is since New Year's is 91. I get it. it it's asking a lot. Uh, you got to hope that he's going to hit for average and run basically. And he's going to score a lot of runs because he's certainly not going to hit for a ton of power. Jenny, one red that you'll take one red that you will not take. Uh, well, I have taken India. The draft that I'm uh, is in its late rounds right now. I took him as my middle infielder. I took okay. Alvis early, and then India as my middle infielder. Um, that is the best ball, though, so I can kind of, you know, all of his contributions. I don't really need to worry about where they come from, so that helps. Um, I think probably the one I'm most likely to take at this point. I guess it's probably Sunny Gray. Um, I used to not take reds at all <laughs> just because I was too close to, I didn't like, I just didn't feel like I had a good opinion of, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't form a good opinion, an unbiased opinion. So Sunny. I never took them, but I, I probably would take Sunny Gray most likely. Um, one I won't take, um, I don't know. There's probably Castillo. I mean, I have taken Castillo, so it's hard to say that, but I mean, at, at his price, I will unlikely, it would be unlikely for me to have any more shares of Castillo. And Doug finishing with you, what do you, who's one red you will take and one red you will not take at price. Well, I would take uh, Tyler Stevenson for reasons I've already talked about. Um, sure. Um, who would I not? And you know, everybody else I would take would really would be a dart. There's nobody in the, that I think is going to get regular playing time that I would take at their current price. Um, uh, um, but gosh, I don't know. Who would I not take? I mean, they go, you can go through the list. I mean, I don't want a Eugenio Suarez's batting average. Um, I don't want Nixon Zell's injury risk or, or Moustakis's injury risk. I think India might be uh, priced too high. He certainly was in this draft that we're in here, I think. Um, you know, I, I think Votto's priced too high. I think I liked his price last year. Um, yeah. This year, I just think I think that that, that if he if he does um, the best he can do, he's already priced at that. So I don't know how that's going to work out for people who are paying for him. Um, I think there are position battles the Reds are going to have that we don't know how they turn out. I, I, I agree that Sonny Gray at his price isn't, isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, I, I, I don't like Castillo at his price. I think Molly's okay at his price, but I wasn't like seeking him out. I, yeah. You know, the bullpenism is, I think it's good as a group. Um, but you're going to tell me which one is going to, you know, reward me with saves. I, I don't know who that would be. Um, I, I expect, I guess, uh, Art Warren, you know, may end up being a value guy, but that's throwing a dart. So I don't I think anything, any value we're going to get from the Reds are going to be dart throws, except for Tyler Stevenson. I do. Uh, I do like him more than most. Very good. You know. I think the bullpen might be run similar to what it was last year, except with better results. I think it, I don't think he wants to, David Bell to declare a closer. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I think that's you might have like be like raised north, but with slightly worse pitchers. Um, <laughs> and you know, we'll see what happens. Jenny, I'm I'm with you. I often don't get Reds players. I don't, and maybe it's it's a blinders thing. Maybe it's you know I I don't want to over like I think like oh I'm gonna overvalue. I'm, I don't want to be a homer, and so I don't get them. But uh, I'll say one I almost certainly won't get is Suarez. Uh, for the reasons Doug discussed, I mean, you get third and short eligibility. Great. Yay. Uh, but you know, shortstop, A.U.N.E.O. Suarez. There you go. But I, I've done like my early DCs. Uh, I was, he was sitting there at the top of my queue all the time using the Rotowire draft tool. I'm like, I don't want to take him. I don't want to take him. So I wrote an article about how I downgraded him. I mean, that's how much I don't want to take him. So he's like 250, 260 now on my list. And he's going around 200. And I don't even know at 250, 260 if I'll still take him. But at least I can you know, sleep at night knowing I didn't tell other people to take him. So I've got that going for me. Um, I will take Hunter Green as a dart throw late. Uh, I, I will take Senzel late too. I just think the pedigree means something. I, I, he's had those glimpses, guys, where he's been – an elite player. Now, he could be a fully broken man for all I know, but at 450, yeah, let me face that peril. I'll take the chance there. See if he work. It turns out to be something there. Cause that could be like that late speed guy that can actually hit a little bit. And so I'll take the chance on, on him there and roster him at least in a draft and hold. I, I feel like, eh, okay. It's, it's around 30 and a 15 teamer round 40 and a 12. Sure. Why not? I think you're going to get him in our league. I might. I just might, because it sounds like you will not, and that's okay. One less person please, you know, I can take them uh, in the even number rounds instead of the odd number rounds now, So because I know you're in between, so I got that going for me. What are you going to say, name, One name I don't know if we mentioned at all in this pod was Aristides Aquino, the Punisher. <laughs> so I just wanted to at least mention his name. Uh, maybe a big DH uh, boom guy? No, probably not. But uh, maybe he's... <laughs> You take him, you're the punished. Um, but no, I just don't forget about him because he'll probably be in the mix too. Maybe he's like a preseason DFA or something. But, well, when you're uh, doing the still scramble for playing mix. time. I mean, let's face yeah. it, the Reds outfield is so unset right now. Yeah. I mean, Naquin's Naquin. not really an everyday player. Um, they're, they're trying to force it. Schrock, maybe he gets a little bit of extra run. TJ Friedel made that beautiful debut. Maybe he'll play. I don't know. But none of those guys excite me. Uh some one of them's going to play probably. So when we're in the 45th round of our 15 teamers, well, take it. Maybe that's the dart throw time, but we'll see. I still think I might end up. I think Senzel's going to be mine, but uh, we'll see. Uh, I don't feel like I'm, it's costing me a whole lot. And I think the upside is worth it. So I get last say I'm hosting. That's so it goes tough break for you guys. Uh, but no, thank you so much for uh, jumping on uh, Jenny again. Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, yeah, the place to find me right now is probably Twitter at, at Jenny Butler 830 And hopefully this season you will see me on Rotoballer and Fantrax. All right. Very good. And maybe we'll have another Reds cast at some point, too. And I'll get you back on, too. Doug, uh, go to the playoffs. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Doug, uh, are your are your bullpen articles already going up on HQ or are you holding those? So you're doing that now. And of course, during the regular season as well. When do those usually come out? Um, well, the right our season really starts in another couple of weeks, and um, they'll be they'll be on on Fridays. I, I have two up right now that are um, kind of aimed at later around what to do. You know, okay. I mean, everybody kind of is is pushed closers up so high this year, so not everybody's getting them because there's only so many to go around. So what right. happens if you don't get one? I mean, that's kind of what I'm aiming at right now. 
Good stuff. That's a really pertinent right now because, like you said, in these draft and holes especially, they're getting pushed up like crazy. If you're in a 15-teamer, it's not physically possible to get them. So, you know, you, not for everyone to get them at least. Uh, Clay, you've got uh, Todd tomorrow. What are you guys covering tomorrow? Good question. I really don't know. Um, All right. A variety <laughs> of topics. But, no, I honestly haven't put together the outline yet. So we'll yeah. talk a variety of things, probably a lot about this draft that we're doing. I got I a dog last summer, so now I'm making sure I listen to as many podcasts as possible. And I always listen to, like, when I'm walking Harley, I listen to you and Todd. And I'm going to try and just get adding more and more to my queue. But the problem is there's so many darn good podcasts out there that uh, it's tough to keep up. But we'll we'll see. But looking forward to Clay and uh, Todd tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for listening to uh, Red's Therapy and uh, a little lockout and DH talk as well. Uh, thanks again to WinBet for their constant sponsorship. And we'll be back at you again tomorrow with Clay and Todd. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.